0: Welcome to episode number 44 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon your host and in this episode we have Chris Bentley who is an award-winning Dallas realtor he also started and grew and now he runs the Plano socialites Facebook group which has all these different events going on in Plano Texas as well as Dallas Texas and not, not the stuffy typical networking events you kind of see but also some fun things and different venues so he runs that as well and he also has had multiple different entrepreneurial ventures throughout his career and has had, had to overcome being broke To get to this point he's at now, it's really an incredible story and such a fun discussion to hear more about what he's all doing. As always, the show notes are at JustGoGrind.com slash podcast, and in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you can support the show by leaving a rating and review and subscribing to the show there as well. And recently, I began coaching helping people launch and grow businesses, helping people launch podcasts, find some insights into this whole business world or podcasting at justgogrind.com slash coaching. So go ahead and check that out. Without further ado, here is Chris Bentley. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. How are you?
0: Good, man. And I'm excited to talk about some real estate stuff on your whole career and how you've grown it and different things you've been working on. And I guess I wanted to start at the beginning really with just how you even got into real estate in the first place. I know you've been in it for a matter of years.
1: There was a guy that was really killing it in real estate. And at the time I graduated, for, I got a two year degree at the time, and then I got kind of recruited into multi-level marketing for financial services. And uh, we were doing at the time also mortgage loan origination because it was really hot at the time. It was kind of like the boom. yeah. And uh, everybody was a mortgage originator. So we wanted <laughs> kinda of our piece of the pie and uh, he was just kind of killing it. And he was a guy that was willing to take me under his wing. And uh, I just kind of learned from him by osmosis. I mean, I, I gave him a whole list of people that were looking to buy and sell. And I just listened to him talk on the phone and go to appointments and Basically, anything that he did involving real estate, I was there.
0: Yeah. And what are some of those things you've learned? I mean, I imagine, like, you're saying, like, the sales side and how to talk with people. Like, what are some of those takeaways you kind of picked up from him?
1: Uh, he's really aggressive. So okay. I picked up a lot of that. I'm a very more people person kind of deal. So he was, he's very more, uh, he's Middle Eastern. So he, he's very good with like haggling.
0: That's kind of, <laughs> Lots of experience.
1: Uh, yeah. At some point, I'm just like, Okay, cool. And he would be like, no, let's like, push it a little further to see what we can get. Like, no, okay, which is fine. I mean, just, you know, that's just his style.
0: Yeah. So just that type of style you kind of picked up something a little bit different from what you're used to, essentially.
1: Yeah. I was pretty laid back. I mean, I'm, just, I'm a laid back person in general. So, you know, if somebody's like, oh, you're not going to get that. And I'd be like, eh, okay, well, whatever. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll just go to Home Depot and fix it myself versus like, you know, him was like, "No, we could do it this way, and we could do it that way, and and more like the structuring as well." So, you know, I don't want to make him out to be like just some some guy that's like a hard salesman, but no, he's like really good at what he does, and I'm just more personable. I think a little bit more personable than what he is.
0: Yeah, and I imagine everyone has a different tactic, a different strategy, and you know, goes about a different way. And not necessarily saying that one thing is bad or or good. It's just that yeah, people have different styles, and you kind of assume figure that out and. You know, how did you adjust then once, you know, learning from him, like, did you change your style at all? Did you be a little more aggressive? Did you just stay the same or no, you didn't want to be that way? Or how did that kind of evolve for you then?
1: I just did it by trial by error. I mean, I just kind of saw what works and what works for me and kind of did it that way. Everybody has their own style in real estate. Some people like to get you know all the documentation up front. I like to kind of see how the relationship kind of goes. Like, you know, some people just don't want to work with you, and that's fine. Or like some people really want to work with you, and you don't want to work with them. Um, so a lot of times, like, there's been times I've actually had to fire clients because I just you know I just can't handle it. It was a really bad match, or yeah. I gave it to a team member. So. I mean, just stuff like that is a really good example. Just, you know, it's just a lot of conflict. You know, you're dealing with people in a, sometimes in a very high stressful situation in terms of their housing. So, you know, people don't want to have <laughs> a, a place not to live. They don't want to live in the yeah. car. So a lot of times there is a lot of stress involved, especially with home, first time homebuyers.
0: Yeah. And working with a wide variety of people, how do you handle that? I mean, how do you know how to approach each person? You know,
1: that just comes with experience, but first time homebuyers, I kind of know just because, I mean, it's a lot of fun for me to do first time homebuyers. There's a lot of challenge to it. So I just kind of know there's stress points. I know if I say too much about this and they're going to be really like queasy, but if I kind of hold back and wait until day two or day three, then there'll be more, you know, acceptable. And then when you get into the higher price stuff, it's a little bit different because it's more based off of like being very private. So they don't want their information shared with other people. So you got to kind of, a lot of people also like they're, they're used to having really nice stuff and high end service. So you have to provide that.
0: Yeah. And what does that look like for them? You mentioned like the high end service, like what are some of those things? I only had the perspective of like watching like, like million dollar listing and those types of shows I've seen before, but what does that actually look like for you then?
1: They want to be treated with respect, privacy, and their needs are met first before all other people. So you just have to go into that knowing that. So, you know, I just go into it knowing it. Even though I may have 45 other clients waiting to do the same thing, I still have to treat them like they're like the utmost importance. And
0: that's yes, yeah,
1: so kind of just prioritizing what used to. them. Yeah, that's what they're used to.
0: Okay, I got gotcha. you. And then I, over time, I mean, how have you kind of changed your tactics or strategies with that over time as you've you've gotten more experience? Like, is there any like clear difference that you've kind of picked up on or learned, or just like working with them, you figure it out?
1: Branding has really helped me out a lot in terms of just social media stuff. So they know what to expect from me just by looking at posts and different stuff that I put out, and they either they really want to work with me or they know my style and they're used to that or they just don't want to work with me at all because they know how (laughs) I'm going to roll. So uh, I think that's really helped me out a lot in terms of just kind of putting me on the map.
0: Yeah, and it seems like that type of, if you have your niche or something within that, it's your style and they know what they're getting. So, you know, you may turn some people away, it seems like, but other people are like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. And it's what you need to do, it seems like. Exactly. And what describe like how you kind of got into the social media side of it, the branding side of it, how you got into that and what are some of the things you initially did to get your name out there?
1: Originally I was terrible and (laughs) I would treat Facebook kind of like a Twitter post. So I would just be like, I feel like pizza tonight. And then I would put that on Facebook and like nobody would follow me because, I mean, that's just horrible.
0: <laughs> Early Twitter days. Yeah, that yeah, was like,
1: <laughs> you know, bit, like I just had it totally in reverse. So there's a guy locally here named Ryan Stuman. He's hardcore closer and he has a different bunch of programs. And back in the day, he was ahead of me by a lot and he was just doing classes and different stuff that he saw that worked. And, you know, I just kind of picked up on that and just started rolling with it.
0: Yeah. I love details and getting into a lot of things with tactics and strategies on it. So like what things, like, would you focus on then video? Did you do like writing posts? Like what are some of those things that you did?
1: Uh, anything I could do that was free. So I started out with just kind of doing a couple of listings and then I kind of saw what people liked and then I tried different stuff. And at that time, ads weren't really a big deal on Facebook so I would just kind of try different Facebook ads and see what people would like and not like. Um, then I started doing video, which was terrifying at the time um, <laughs> because, you know, you're just pointing this thing at your face and like letting it rip. And people are like, who is this guy? God, this is awful. Like, I wouldn't buy anything from him. And, you know, it's just funny. And now it's like a totally different, different deal. But, yeah, I did that. Anything that was free. Yeah. And I just kind of experimented with stuff. And I'm still experimenting. I do a lot of like what, you know, I listen to a lot of Gary Vee. So he's an inspiration yes. for me. So, like, a lot of stuff that he talks about is a lot of stuff that I've done. I just never put like a name to it. So, like, I would try yeah. different stuff and I'd be like, oh, like this long form seems kind of cool. And I'd try it. And then I'd be like, oh, that worked pretty well. And he would be like, oh, it's called long form. And I'd be like, oh, that makes sense now. You know, like, it just, <laughs> I was doing stuff. I just didn't know there was like names for it.
0: Yeah. I think the content marketing side of things is beneficial for a lot of businesses and especially real estate. I remember talking to someone actually pretty recently when I got into the MBA program and in that and everything talking about marketing and they're a real estate person. I was like, mentioned a few things at Facebook they could do and some other stuff. It's like, yeah, they got a lot of traction from that. And it's important because we can do organic. You can do the free route with content marketing, but you can also experiment with some paid things. And I think something you mentioned with that is you really mentioned the experimenting part and kind of trying things out. And I think that's important. What were some of the things that worked best for you then?
1: Besides video and listings, those were like really the bigger ones. And then I kind of switched onto different platforms. Like LinkedIn was good for a bit. And then it got bad. And then it got better. Like what it is now is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really fool around too much with Snap. I fool around with Instagram a little bit. But considering I'm not like a super hot woman, like a lot of people aren't going to follow me.
0: <laughs> it is tough otherwise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's all about finding like what you're really good at. And I'm really good at just like not caring. So, like, I'll yeah. just throw something out and be like, oh, cool. And, you know it'll be the weirdest thing like something that i'll put out that i think is absolute garbage will be the most viral that i've gotten ever that's really not what i'm looking for i'm just looking to sell houses but it's just funny to look at it and be like wow that got a lot of traction and i you know look and sound horrible you know it's just (laughs) weird you know it's just a weird deal but the more you put out the better traction you get
0: yeah and to that point I, i mean how much are you putting out what's your kind of schedule for putting out content then
1: I've been stepping it up this year. There was one of my goals for 2019 was to add more. So my content is usually like a listing a day. It's usually across all platforms except Snapchat, do stuff at night more than during the day. I find stuff that, you know, for the most part, people that follow me know me pretty well or are starting to know me pretty well. So I'll follow stuff or I'll put stuff up that's more on the economics of home buying right now and like kind of where the economy is. I day trade stocks and I have a a hedge fund. So I have to pay a lot of attention to like where the market's going and what I see happening. Um, So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. So people kind of watch to see like, what am I posting? What do I think, where the markets going to go? Stuff like that.
0: So you have that separate from like the realtor, obviously business as well. Can you talk about that a little bit then? So how'd you get involved with that side of things?
1: I just started out, like when I was a kid, my mom trade stocks or used to trade stocks. And back then it was like the Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post. And then you look at like the day before what they closed at, and then you like call somebody and put in an <laughs> order. Uh, so now it's a lot different. You just go on the internet and, and do it from your phone even. So I got started kind of doing that as for fun. And now, you know, I'm licensed as a financial advisor. So I do it for fun with my friends and family and whoever else that's really interested, you know, just raise capital and trade and actually have a fund. And it's just kind of a fun thing I like to do. I like to do a lot of dumb stuff. Like (laughs) Amazon's another one that I have, like an Amazon business that I do that I just like to compete. Like I have another buddy that trades stocks and I have another buddy that sells on Amazon. So it's just a competition thing. I just love selling. I love the competition of like trying to beat you.
0: Yeah, it's a fun thing to do. And then with the Amazon business, tell me a little bit about how that got started and how that's grown since.
1: My buddy at the office, he has been doing Amazon for a couple of years now and he turned me on to it and it was some weird situation. We were in a meeting and I think we were in like the wrong room or something. And we just ended up chatting about some stuff. And he goes, you know, like I sell on Amazon and I was like, well, how much you make? And he's like, Oh, I did like 150,000 last year. And I was like, "Dude, don't even <laughs> talk to me. Like I did 150,000 too. Like, that's not a big deal. Like, i sell real estate. And he was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then this year he did 850,000 in sales yeah. and I did 49,000 in Q4. So I was like, yeah, man, like, you know, my hat's off to you. Like, congrats. But he worked. I mean, like he would fly into uh, different towns wherever they had a like outlet store and he would go like hog wild, like pack up a whole bunch of stuff in a car, drive from wherever he flew into all the way back to Texas with all the haul that he got. I mean, he was telling me some crazy stories, like getting pulled over and the cops like, well, what do you got in the back, son? You know, and <laughs> He's like, well, I went to this outlet and like I sell on Amazon. And I mean, it's just, it's funny.
0: <laughs> so with Amazon for you though, how are you approaching it in terms of the products you're selecting and how are you kind of getting the word out there? Obviously it's through Amazon. So like they have their own thing, but how are you mostly on the product side? How are you choosing them?
1: I started out with books, and then I got into consumables, which is like grocery items. And that was cool. I still do a little bit of that in books. Now I got into toys, and that's okay. I have a buddy that is really like a toy collector. He was on a show called Toy Collector. So he points out like really good buys that he's going to buy himself that he thinks it will sell. And then, you know, whenever stuff comes in, I'll just give him like the wholesale off of that.
0: Yeah, and a good product. What are some of the attributes that you're looking for?
1: If you're going to do consumables, it's like a dollar. So okay. it's like more high volume. If you're going to do toys, you're looking at like 10 to 15 bucks.
0: So you're just trying to look pretty off of price essentially?
1: Yeah, you're just trying to make that, as Gary would call it, the VIG, or you know, like the margin <laughs> off of it.
0: So the margin is pretty low. So on the foodies, the consumables, you said it's a dollar and then rough like 10 or 15 on the other products?
1: Yeah, like the toys, like 10 to 15 bucks.
0: So that's how much you're actually making off each one, basically. And then, I mean, where are you getting these products from, typically?
1: I have deals worked out with other people. Wholesalers is another one that you can do. I mean, I started out, like, you know, as as nasty as it sounds, Like I started out with, like, rummaging through half price books dumpsters, trying to find good deals, like, through the dumpster because it was free. (laughs) Or you can put posts up saying that, like, you're going to donate books to school and then people would give you books and then you would you know the ones that you aren't going to donate to school then you would just sell and then just cut a check back to the to whoever you're going to donate to so 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 you
0: actually the ones like from the dumpster friends like you actually sold those books i'm just curious if you're able to yeah of course man that's crazy yeah (laughs) how many people want books still at that bad?
1: I've been doing this as a kid. Like when I was a kid, I'm a second generation immigrant to this country. So my dad was from Greece. My mom is second, I believe, um, immigrant to this country. Her parents were immigrants here. So uh, when I was a kid, we didn't have eBay or internet or anything. What I would do is I lived in an upper middle-class neighborhood. I would go through people's trash and they would throw away like a boom box or something. And I'd figure out how to fix it. And then I'd go on the corner on Saturday mornings and sell it to people. And people would drive by and be like, Hey, isn't that my boom box? And I'd be like, yeah, you want to buy it for, back for 20 bucks? And they'd be like, no, <laughs> but it's my boom box. And I'd be like, no, like it's fixed now. You know? So Right.
0: Like you threw it away. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I was, just, I was that kid. Like I'd fix people's cars. I would rake leaves. I would shovel snow. I would cut grass. Like I would sell blow pops in school. I was just, like that kid
0: so you always are entrepreneurial is it because of your family or just you kind of had that in you like what do you think it is
1: I don't know something happened when I was younger we were talking about like how money works and you would do something and somebody would pay you for that effort and I was like oh and they're like but you could also sell this item and then the difference would be profit and I was like right oh, and then like the light bulbs and that. And I was like, oh, so I could sell this toy to you for 10 bucks, but I got it for free. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, got it. And off (laughs) off we went.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Do you remember any other like ventures growing up? Because I'm always curious about people's early ventures too, selling things.
1: I deliver flyers and that was fun because uh, I was a bad a bad kid um so back in middle school like we would do flyers and the great thing about it was that you could hand out flyers for just like a couple of cars and the rest yeah. of them you could like throw away and the rest of the day you just spend out like being a bad kid So <laughs> we would do stuff like that i mean there was just we were just terrible kids but there's just always an abundance of different side jobs that you could do I mean we can I used to move people for a summer in between school classes and stuff like that and or uh, school semesters I would do stuff like that just anything I could do to like make a couple bucks also like you could do like parking lots needed to be cleaned so in the summertime we would get leaf blowers and clean parking lots and get paid and it takes about 10 to 15 minutes Um, wow just stuff like that I mean it was just silly
0: yeah, but I mean, to that point, you have all these different options, I guess, for, for trying to make money or try to like have different different ventures. Like, how did you decide which ones to do? Like, opportunity came up. You're like, oh, well, I guess we'll do that. Try this. Like, how did you approach that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just try it. I just look at the numbers and be like, okay, well, like, you know, how many leaf blowing things do I have to do before I pay off the leaf blower? And then I'd be like, cool. And then everything else is profit. And I'd be like, all right, cool. And then i be like, oh, okay, well, you know, after a while, I'd be like, well, I made my money. And then so I'm like, this is kind of boring. Let's go try to find something else.
0: How long was that typically you kind of got bored of stuff? Is it, a, I'm just curious if there's kind of like a repeatable pattern or not, or you kind of just you didn't really know?
1: Like after a while, you're just kind of like sick of it.
0: Do you think it ever happened in real estate?
1: Um, there's been times that I've taken time off, okay, just so to burn out.
0: And when you, when you take that time off, then what does that look like for you? It's just like not trying to sell as many homes, or like I, I'm curious on what that looks like then for you.
1: It just depends. Like I've taken a while off, like a year. I've taken off like a couple of days. I've taken off a week. Unfortunately, with real estate, it doesn't really stop. So yeah. I used to be in, uh, into mortgages. I used to have a mortgage branch. So as you can imagine, that was even worse because people were always calling <laughs> you, like trying to get rates and refinance and purchase a home. But yeah, like it, it'll wear out on you. People, you know, their stress becomes your stress. And then before you yeah. have it, you're stressed out. So you need to take a break every once in a while.
0: Yeah. And I'm always curious because like entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs you know, work really hard in real estate. basically like you're an entrepreneur essentially. And then plus your other ventures, when you take those breaks, what are those? same? What are some of those activities or things that kind of recharge you?
1: Uh, I just do something like completely off the green. Like I was making over a hundred thousand dollars selling real estate and doing mortgages back when you could do both. And I was like, well, I'm just burnt out. Like, I'm stressed out. Like, I don't feel good. My health is terrible. I haven't gotten sleep, you know, ever for a while. Like, you know, four or five hours of sleep just starts wearing you out day after day. So I was like, I'm going to teach bartending. So I taught bartending (laughs) for like a year. And that was cool. You
0: taught bartending? Wait, explain.
1: So there's a a school, I don't really want to mention the name just because...
0: That's fine. Me
1: and the owner aren't really too too cool anymore. But uh, yeah, like, you know, you go and pay a couple hundred bucks for classes to teach you how to make like a rum and coke and a Cuba Libre with the lime in there (laughs) or, uh, you know, some random, you know, like a zombie or a a blue Hawaiian. And then they try to place you at a bar or, or a restaurant that serve drinks. But, you know, when you're pushing that many people through, it's really tough to. You know, find people jobs. There's just not that many restaurant jobs open. And if they are, they're usually given to people with experience. Yeah, But yeah, I did that and just taught people how to make drinks, which was funny.
0: What else did we done? I'm just curious because it seems like there's probably other things I assume.
1: When I graduated high school, I didn't go to college. So I started my own auto shop at 18, which is funny. I was racing cars. I was street racing, drag racing back when it was like, you know, there wasn't cameras on the road. so (laughs) That was different. Everybody's like, you're not going to school and taking the SAT. And I'm like, no, I'm going to start my own business, you know, working on cars. How did that go? It was okay. You know, I was 18. So, you know, I wasn't very focused on the job. I would just be like, Oh, cool. Like I got to go, you know, swap out new headers today. I'll go by the shop. And meanwhile, like, you know, bills kind of packed up and, I was just like, eh, like you want me to work on your car like five bucks? You know, Like I would I wouldn't take it very seriously. Yeah. It's just kinda how I am. Sometimes. Yeah, so you're
0: just tr- trying different things out and like experimenting, it seems like with, with different things over time.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I'm curious then you mentioned the health thing too, like you weren't taking care of your health, you weren't sleeping back back then. Like has that evolved now or how has that changed to today?
1: It gets really tricky last Less- two or three nights I haven't slept well at all, like maybe four or five hours of sleep. And then you kind of hit a wall and you end up sleeping for like 12 or 14 hours. (laughs)
0: Goodness.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it just really depends on the stress level. Like when I was going through some pretty hard times, it was almost two years now. Yeah, I would sleep for like three or four hours on a couch and like wake up and try to find properties to pitch the next morning. I mean, it was just so bad at one point that I mean, I was eating, I was so broke. I was eating bacon and eggs for morning breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Cause I couldn't really get, Yeah, all my money was going towards leads and zip codes. And I was stuck in a contract that I couldn't get out of. And, uh, you know, people that are looking for homes, they start the process sometimes like a year or two years before. So people that we're talking to weren't even remotely close to. Doing anything in terms of buying anything, so I was just way over my head. And I was about to move into my car, and I just leased this like brand new BMW, and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna be the talk of the town, and drive people around on this thing. And like, you know, a couple months later, I'm about to, <laughs> about to move into this thing, so it was bad. It was a bad time.
0: So, how did you get out of that? And that's
1: a lot crazy. of hard work. how did you get out of it? <laughs> a lot of yeah just hustled man just really really hustled i had to get a job so that was the first part and then i just started doing like all these small minor small jobs that i could like get my hands on and then at then i was like okay well the contract finally ran up and i got out of it so and then i freed up a bunch of cash flow and then i didn't need all the side jobs and, the, and then it was just gravy from there on out but from that i mean that was low i've been bankrupt once and close twice now so i know the Damn feelings it. and it's terrible so
0: yeah i mean yeah i can't imagine that feels good but like you mentioned just a lot of hard work and getting on like how long did that even take to get to a place of you know comfort or back to a place of normalcy again
1: well that's the tough part so when i was younger i was broke like when i started that shop you know, I was 18, 19, so I was pretty broke. Um, but when you're that age, you know, you're like living at home and, uh, for the most part, and you can kind of like, you know, your bills aren't much, you know, you're driving like a hoopty and, you know, you're just eating whatever garbage you can eat. As you get older, like, you know, now I'm 41 and, you know, you just, like I have an apartment, I have a car that's now a lease car. Like I just, you know, you have bills and you can't afford to be that broke anymore. So, it's right. just, and it takes longer as you get older because you don't have the same amount of energy as you did when, when I was younger. So it's just different. Yeah. but I don't recommend it for anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On the record, you did yeah. not recommend that for anybody. Oh my goodness. And you said you, I think you've been involved in real estate for like how many years now?
1: Over 15 years.
0: Okay. So over 15 years involved with real estate. What kind of role has that played in your life, having the real estate side of things?
1: It's great. It's a challenge. Every deal is a challenge. So it's, you can never get bored, but at the same time, it's very stressful. Like if you could close a deal within 24, 48, 72 hours, life would be a lot easier than it is when it's like 30 days. Cause it's thirty yeah. days of just agony and questions and small problems.
0: Yeah, and I have no idea with with real estate like how how many deals are you like even typically closing? Like I don't have no idea how that goes. How like how many is it roughly?
1: It just really depends on how you're doing it. I mean, you can close anywhere from one deal to you know ten to fifteen deals. Just it really depends on how you structure it and if you have like a team of people helping you and. If you don't, like I usually, when I was younger, I didn't have a team and it was like, super stressful. So
0: Yeah. Well, what's the team like now then that you have in place?
1: I got myself doing most of the residential and luxury. I have some help with the rental and commercial. And then we have property management, relocation, and I don't really handle that. I just mostly just kind of hand that off to people on my team. Okay. So it's a lot better. The next probably person I'm going to hire is going to be more of the admin and personal side just because like all over the place with different stuff and I, I have to like you know get stuff banged out at like 12 1 o'clock in the morning and it should be just I could just hand it off to somebody So
0: yeah and how long is it taking to get to that point where you're like okay I need this assistant probably to help me with this
1: I don't know I'm pretty hard headed so it's taking <laughs> me a long time I'm sure probably somebody else in my stature probably would have done it like at least one or two years ago Cause you could just get so much more done.
0: So you would suggest people should probably get an assistant in this, in your position in real estate, depending on how, where you're at. Yeah. If you
1: can afford one and it makes sense to you and you have the workload to do it. Yes. But you know, like I was going to do is like a pro rata, like per job I need done. So it's not so burdensome on the person. Because it's probably going to end up being somebody I know, so it's probably going to be like, "Hey, can you do this?" and I'll pay you fifty bucks. Hey, can you do that? Like, as a bigger project, I'll pay you five hundred bucks. Stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're saying. And where do you want to take this this career real estate? Like, are you going to have like more people on the team, and then just trying to expand? Like, how does that expansion work? What does it look like for you moving forward?
1: Yeah, it's going to get bigger. It's just a matter of time. So it's just because you intake so much that you just there's not enough time. Like, I can't show eight properties to one client and then turn around and show another eight properties to the same client at the same time. I mean, it just, it's impossible. So you just need other people.
0: Yeah. And along, along the way, you also wrote two books when like eBooks, I believe was it yeah. or two yeah. So e-books. when did, how'd did you write those?
1: They're just stuff that I always had in my mind and stuff that is not, the stuff you find online. So it's just through experience. So a lot of people get really bad information and they go about, you know, using this information that they heard from other people. Like you need to have 20% down or your credit has to be stellar or, you know, uh, it's okay to not have grass on the front yard when you sell the house. I mean, just stuff that like, you know, you would just be like, what are you talking about? So I wrote, that based off of, in my own words, just stuff that like I've seen and that needs to be corrected in life and people should know about.
0: Yeah. And just so people know, one of them is called seven home buying misconceptions, what every home buyer needs to know. And the other is seven tips to help the, the highest value for your, to, to get the highest value for your house, what every home seller needs to know. And I'll link those as well in the show notes at just slash podcast. But I think it's helpful to have that type of thing out there where you can you know, just get it out of your head into something that people can consume and get value from. I imagine it's been helpful.
1: Yeah, it has. I'm actually coming up with another book just for investors. It's just a basic book, and it's just strategy, like stuff that I've seen that works, stuff that... People pay thousands of dollars for weekend seminars that they would get in their hands. And any of the listeners want a copy of any of the books, just message me and I'll give them to you for free. So just as a gift to you guys listening.
0: And where can they reach you?
1: Uh, Just social media or or the website. So social media is Chris D as in Danger Bentley. And then uh, the same thing for the website, Chris D as in Danger Bentley dot com.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure to link that so people can contact you if they want to. And then one thing I'm also wondering with the Plano Socialites, how did that get started?
1: So I moved to Texas from the East Coast, D.C., Washington Metro, D.C. area over five years now. So when I moved here, I only knew less than a handful of people. And it was a good friend of mine that I moved in with. And she only hung out with this particular group of people. And not that anything's wrong with them, but they just like to do a lot of like Saturday drinking. It's like a big thing here in Texas. And I don't drink and like, I don't really like to waste a whole lot of time. So I was like, I need to find some new friends. So (laughs) uh, I just started a meetup group and then that was okay. And then I moved to, from South Lake or actually like I worked in the South Lake area ish. And then I moved, to Plano and then it kind of exploded. So that was really cool. And then I just go and set up networking events and meet people that are, you know, hustlers like me that want to talk about, you know, making money.
0: Awesome. And what does that look like in terms of how many events you're hosting like every week and where do you do these?
1: I try to do, I have one main event every month and then I have other events that I attend. And then I try to do like a brunch and a lunch and a dinner, just depending on my schedule, just to kind of go out and meet because I'm going to eat no matter what. I'm a huge foodie. So I just like to eat with other people and just talk.
0: So you have a Facebook group that has like 3,700 plus members in there. Like, What has helped that grow?
1: It started out with just originally the way it was set was that there was so many different events all over the place and I couldn't figure out a way to like kind of put it all in one spot. Like I would go yeah. online and see you went on LinkedIn or something. And I see that you went to an event last night and I'd be like, Oh man, that was that la- that was last night. Damn. Like I wanted to go to that. <laughs> and then I go online and be like, I really want to go to this event. And then the event would go like, I-, I would have it on my calendar, but it didn't send a reminder or whatever. So then like the event would pass and then I would, remember like a week later i'd be like oh man like again you know so i was like i gotta create like one place that just has all the events and that's kind of where it started out i just kind of created a group and i was like look guys like these are all the events that i'm really interested in if you want to go like let's go if not like cool i'll catch you the next one and then it kind of started from there
0: and how how many years ago did you start this
1: i moved here over five years so probably like four and a half something like that
0: Okay, yeah, but that's a lot. I mean, thousands of members in this group is awesome. And so now, in terms of group online, are you just posting whenever you see events, or how does that work kind of with the online? No, like
1: it? I am really particular. So if it's an event that I'm going to, then it started out with just like I wouldn't post anything unless I'm going to it. Okay. Now that I just I don't have enough time and I don't go to enough events, so I would post it. And then if it's somebody that I know really well that's holding the event and I've been to it before. I would just say, hey, like, go see so-and-so and tell them okay. I sent you. And then people are like, oh, okay, cool. And then they go look for that person.
0: Awesome. And these events, I mean, you mentioned you're kind of just, they brunches or lunches or like dinners or, or whatever. Like, how are you choosing the venue and how many people typically kind of attend these events?
1: The Brunches and lunches and dinners are pretty, it just kind of depends on the night. I mean, if it's like a nice night, you know, and it's in the middle of the week, I may not expect to see a lot of people because they may be, you know, on a patio somewhere. Yeah. Or with their loved ones. Uh, it just really depends. Usually, like, my networking events are the most packed that I do. And just because they know that, you know, I'm going to be there, I'm going to introduce people to them, I'm pretty good at, like, just remembering what they do so I can kind of match other people to them. And then they feel like there's a lot of, You know, good stuff, a good connection there made it worth their time. And that's the whole idea.
0: Yeah. And so how do you run the networking events? Like, how does that work? Again, I'm always curious about the venue and how you're getting people there and how do you kind of facilitate that and what the expectations are like beforehand you send to people and how does that work?
1: Yeah, I'll post it. All my events are free unless you're going to eat and then you get to pay for that yourself. Um, I do that on purpose because I don't believe in charging people for networking you can be a member of my group for free if you want to be on the website and it's 50 bucks for the year. I mean, it's super cheap. I do that on purpose because I don't want to charge people a lot of money. Yeah, But yeah, like I'll post the event. I'll invite people. People will see it. I'll share it to a bunch of other groups that I have. And then, you know, just people just know that I'm hosting the event. So they've heard or seen or, you know, seen one of my videos, talk to me personally, uh, a friend of mine, friend through somebody and, you know, off we go.
0: Do you typically choose the same venue every time? And what does that kind of look like?
1: Uh, it just depends. I try to like maintain it the same one, but sometimes it doesn't work out. Just really depends on management. I've been kicked out of a couple of places just because it's either too big or they just don't want that or they're not you know set up for that type of event or, you know, that's amount of people. So it just really depends. Is like a lot of times I have to go there beforehand and talk to the manager and be like, Hey, you know, this is who I am. This is what to expect. You know, are you cool with that? And I don't know, except for one venue, <laughs> I haven't met anybody that's like, Oh, a bunch of people drinking booze and eating food. Like, I don't want that. Like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> so I haven't really had a lot of pushback.
0: Yeah. And what are like the best, Venues, like what types of things are these bars, are these restaurants? Are these like what are these?
1: I try not to do restaurants so much. It's just a bigger bar that I can push a lot of people through and they, okay. don't, they don't have any problem. There's enough wait staff to accommodate. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that type of thing. So typically a big bar that has plenty of space so you can have a lot of people there. Exactly. Okay. Makes perfect sense. And you mentioned with the membership fee, is that new or how long ago did you decide to do that for not membership, but for the actual being, you know, highlighted, I guess, on the website?
1: I just started out. I just started a lot of stuff with SEO and Google and trying to figure that out. I got kind of tired of doing like the Facebook ads because everybody else is doing that, Instagram ads. So I'm kind of going old school and against the grain and doing a lot of like SEO and Google and like trying to place myself higher in the ranks. So I just did it as a way for people to commit. So I was like, well, if people pay money, then they'd be more committed than they would if they weren't paying money. So I just started that. And I hate charging people money for something that should be free. So that's why I just did it for 50 bucks.
0: And that's just to be featured though, right? Yeah, Uh, that's when you're
1: like actually a member and you'll be on the website and people could see you. They just look up your name and it'll be attached as a member of Plano Socialites.
0: Nice, that's awesome. I think it seems like a smart way to kind of monetize, but still having it free. But then, yeah, if you want more exposure, then boom, you just pay fifty bucks for the year, get your name and picture on there. It seems like a nice way to get a little revenue stream as well from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not really looking to make a whole lot. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just a way to get people to be promoted, and I offer a bunch of stuff. Like, I'll do a video, a Facebook video, with you for a spot. I'll do a bunch of different stuff you can post on there if you have like a job hire kind of deal. So just a lot of different stuff that people offer but you know for less price.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I definitely can vouch for the the SEO stuff and we can we can always talk if you want to uh, after as well more in depth, but I've seen the traffic, you know, from like my fitness site get you know, thousands etc. I think it's still at like probably 3000 4000 maybe unique visitors every single month and I haven't posted months, if not maybe over a, over a year, all because I built up the SEO and just one thing, those things that takes time, but once you invest in that, you can see some pretty good returns from that. And even when I moved, I was in Vegas at one point and moving and just doing like in-home personal training in Vegas, I never actually ended up doing any, but I prepped by doing, writing an article or two and having a page about in-home personal training in Las Vegas. And I ranked within a matter of weeks, if not months, maybe for that term. So there is definitely a lot to be said for doing the SEO and it's a long-term play, but it can have tremendous benefits in the end though.
1: Yeah, it's great. I mean, the thing is people, they're going to be interested in your services. They're going to want to look to see who you are. So the first thing they're going to do is Google your name and whatever pops up is what they're going to go off of. So right. you, you want to make sure you have some good stuff up there.
0: Exactly. That's the whole credibility. And yeah, yeah, having those videos and stuff too, like people get to know who you are and like what you're all about, which is very helpful. And as you've kind of moved through your whole career and some ups and downs and like, you know, know, bankrupt ones and almost bankrupt a couple more times, but like what has been helpful for you in terms of like resources to help you in your career, whether it be books or podcasts or audio books or anything, like what's been helpful for you?
1: Um, There's a lot of different stuff. So for myself, I watch motivational videos in the morning and at night. I rarely watch TV unless I'm at a bar. That's helped me out a lot. Just kind of like really focusing on positive. I cut out like a lot of people that just want to complain and sit around and complain about stuff. Um, I practice a lot of patience and that's something that I've been really guilty of being really bad at when I was younger. Um, I would be a lot further along my career if I just like just stayed the course and just was more patient about what I was doing. I mean, a lot of times, like I was already making money doing these small little venture deals. And if I yeah. was, you know, three, four or $500 a month. And then at the time I was always comparing myself to other people and being like, Oh, well, like so-and-so is doing, you know, 21 million. And I'm sitting over here with like 500 bucks. Like this is BS. And like, <laughs> if I just sat through it and just taking the treadmill laps on it, like I'd probably be a lot further along my business. So, I, I'm a big practitioner of patience.
0: Yeah, I think it's an important thing. And to the point of patience too, kind of with managing your day and your schedule, how do you manage your schedule with all the things you're working on? Like how does that look day to day, week to week?
1: Difficult. So during the day I trade stocks or I'm looking at the stock market pretty heavily. So that's consumes a lot of my my day. In between that I'm usually negotiating a contract or Trying to set up showings, or going out for a showing like I did today at lunch, which turned out to be like eight showings.
0: <laughs> Jesus.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just it gets kind of crazy. At night is usually when I kind of catch up with stuff. Um, I have a bunch of side projects that I'm working on. Like I have a pitch deck that I have to complete. I have some other stuff that I have that third book that I'm working on. So I have like a lot of side stuff, but I also have, you know, stuff that I have to get caught up on, like saying, sending out CMAs or following up on clients with emails and showing stuff like that. So it gets really hectic. And then you throw in Amazon, which, you know, you have to sit there and like put labels on stuff and box up. So it can get really, really hectic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot, yeah. yeah a lot so of back and forth.
1: Just, you just gotta. For me, and I don't recommend this for a lot of people. For me, it's kind of like sticking your finger in the dike, and then another hole pops up, and then you gotta stick that finger in the dike, and then, so you're just kind of spinning plates all day long. All day long, and it just okay. gets really stressful. So I'm sure there's people out there that are you know a lot better at it than I am, and probably have a staff that can handle a lot more. But even if I had a staff, I would just structure and just build more. I'd be like, oh, okay, well that's done. I'll just, you know, start another project over here. So
0: (laughs) I assume that you just, you'd like to have multiple things going on. You love to have different projects, obviously.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like to be busy. I like having multiple businesses. I like being busy doing stuff. Uh, Me standing around is like not exciting to me. (laughs) <laughs> so it's, just, it's just not like I don't know.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, that's part of the, like the self awareness that Gary varenchuk talks about: knowing yourself, knowing what you want, and then just going all at, going after it all out. Like you know what you want, you know you kind of enjoy these different things, so you just do it. It's like it's what you have to do.
1: Yeah, it took me a while too. So uh this is a product of years of trying different stuff and like looking at different stuff and you know failing at different stuff too. So. Just didn't come overnight. I wasn't like, ah, today I'll just be a really good salesman. And I just, no, <laughs> like, you know, it just took time.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, you've started so many different ventures and, you know, failed at some things and succeeded at other things. But what is some of the advice you give to an aspiring entrepreneur?
1: I would not quit your day job. I would do something as a side hustle and see how well that works out and how long you can do it everything looks great on paper until you start doing it and don't compare yourself to other people is another one. And then of course, patience. So, you know, it's tough. It's really tough. It's Entrepreneurship is very lonely. There's a lot of nights of sleeplessness and a lot of nights of working really hard and a lot of nights of telling people, no, you can't go hang out and do different stuff. And it's just very lonely. Like I can't, you know we really don't talk about it enough we kind of glamorize being an entrepreneur but i i come home and i work i go to work and i work i go to the office and work there's no really like a whole lot of like hey like let's go shoot pool tonight like there isn't a whole lot of that
0: is that something you've you would want more of or i'm just curious on where you see that going moving forward
1: it's just something i chose for myself like i've done a lot of that throughout my years and now that i'm you know, at 40, for me, it kind of really changed my life. So I turned 40. I was on the phone with my broker and I was like, you know what? Like, I just had it. Like, I'm tired of being just kind of okay and like kind of like good enough and like good enough to get into this and good enough to do that and good enough to win this award. Like, I was like, you know what? Like, that's it. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm just going to go all out. Like, I'm just going to work my face off and kind of after 10 years and see where I'm at. And that's just kind of like where I'm just at right now. Where I'm just like, you know what? Like all that all that noise, all that, you know, this and that, this place and this club and this bottle and that and that and that and I'm like, No no no, like I'm just gonna focus a hundred percent on making money and building businesses and kind of see where after ten years where that ends up.
0: Yeah, and it's something yeah, again, back to that self awareness point, knowing what you want and knowing what you've been through and what's important to you and it doesn't have to be forever necessarily, but like that you said that 10 years or whatever it ends up being, it's like, it is a certain set period of time. We're going to really push hard here, see how it goes. And, you know, you can always adjust later on. Nothing has to be permanent necessarily. But yeah, if you know you want to make, you want to make some moves, it's like, go after it. Why not? And, and Chris, just wanted to thank you for making the time today. And also, if anyone wants to reach out or connect with you, I know you mentioned earlier, but where can people find you or hear about you online?
1: Chris D as in dot com. Chris D as in danger Bentley on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm on Snapchat. I'm not really on it, though. And uh, just email as well. So, I mean, you can find all that stuff. You just Google my name. You know, there's eight pages of stuff about myself. So, yeah, feel awesome. free to reach out. Questions, concerns, free ebooks I'll, I'll hook it up for you
0: sounds great. Thanks for the time today, Chris.
1: Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash just go grind. And please, please leave a rating review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a great day.